Thank you, Kate, Bonnie, Gary, Mel. Good morning. Good to be here. We're working on curiosity, at least I am, encouraging curiosity. So let's start with a question. What are you here for today? What is the purpose in this moment, in this place, for you? You get to choose. What are you here to accomplish? It's, it's not an assignment. It's an expression of your freedom. Hmm? Okay. Well, here's what I have to say. One of the things I just did different that I believe encourages curiosity is, do you notice I didn't say, why are you here? You ever go into a, a store, maybe a retail store, and you walk in, do you expect the clerk to say, why are you here? <laughs> now, I did add a little tone to that for emphasis, but even if they just neutrally said, why are you here? You don't expect that, right? It, it, it kind of puts you up, well, what do you mean? Why are you asking me that? You expect something more like, how may I help you? Both questions, both curious, but one's much more inviting, much more exploring. The other one is kind of like, defend yourself. That word, why, has some tricky energy. It tends to put us to a defensive position. So as you're engaging and as you're asking yourself questions and as you're asking others questions, Let's move toward the exploratory approach. Help me understand this. What are you trying to accomplish? What's going on here? Um, that ties right into your, your homework, your spiritual practice. You did have homework. Uh, does, did anybody have fun with the spiritual practice over the last two weeks? Did anybody have so much fun that they want to tell us about it? Yes, I could, and I will. I might read all of it, but how are your interactions with others impacted when you take a moment to ask yourself what you intend to co-create with others before you engage? How often do you allow yourself to gracefully ask clarifying questions when you feel someone is challenging you? Are you calling me stupid? No, no. <laughs> That's not there. That's not it. That is a question. So I invite you to explore this. So that's the thing. It's like we kind of go through things on autopilot, right? And then we just, we don't really think before we speak, at least consciously. We're always thinking before we speak, but a lot of it's just coming out of our subconscious habit. So one thing is to think, well, what do I want to accomplish here? It gets especially difficult when... Someone's challenging you. You know, can you just take a moment? And I love the, the affirmation, you know, I stay centered at all times. I don't. That's a good affirmation to remind me to, to work and practice. You know why we call it spiritual practice, right? Because we need to practice. And what we practice is what we will do. It's easy to do uh, great things when everything's calm. But when you're under a little pressure... You know, our subconscious things start to pop up. So if, if we practice prayer, meditation, 
then when we're under stress, that'll come back. So with that in mind, did anybody have an experience that they want to share? I know it's a lot of pressure, right? So I'll share. I'm prepared. I didn't realize I was doing it when I was doing it, but I asked my son a question. Later I asked myself, what was I trying to accomplish? I think just he's 15. I'm not. I want to show him that I'm interested in his life and I care. But I asked a below average question. I said, uh, I know that there's these two kids that he interacts with in, in school and sports, and they both kind of rub him not the best way. So I just said simply, so tell me, who annoys you more? Person A or person B? Yeah, we're bonding. <laughs> At someone else's expense. This is not a good example, but I'm being honest, right? I learned from this. I also said last time that you never know where your spiritual guides are coming from. I referenced Oscar Wilde, for example, as one of mine. Well, everyone has the potential, and my son was mine, because he gave a much above-average response. He said to me, Dad, right now I'm working on being annoyed less. Okay. Now, not only did that impact me in that moment, but for the rest of the time, I began practicing that as my spiritual practice. And I noticed that I got this little bit of an impulsive response to people who just don't do good traffic manners. In my opinion. Why didn't you turn on your turn signal? Why didn't you wait for that person? I try to model that behavior, but then I get this little air of superiority. Why aren't you modeling it back? And I thought, well, are you really? Boy, those thoughts you bring into your mind, you know, through thoughts, words, and actions. So, that's my sharing. One last chance. Anybody want to share? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was well, it sounds very much in alignment with the daily word. I, you know, I, I, I ask for help. I'm open to help. Um, we're all here for each other. 
All right, well, there's going to be more homework. We're going to take that a, a step further today. But, you know, it, the assignment really is about having an intention, having empathy, which is interest in understanding others. And the most important part when we do spiritual practice is to have grace, to be gentle first with ourselves and just see you as yourself as you are and don't judge it. You're going to judge it. But, you know, then love it. Because through the love, you can move and grow. The judgment stops you. It's like when you're doing, uh, what's that thing you do where improv. Anybody familiar with improv? You do improv, you always have to come up with something new. As soon as you say no, the game's over. Same with curiosity. Just have to keep keep loving and seeing it. And, and we're going to talk more about that for next week. Meanwhile, some things from last week, just to recap. We talked about how skepticism is not necessarily a bad thing. We all have doubt. You know, curios- idle curiosity expresses as doubt. We recognize doubt. If we act responsibly, we get curious, we start searching. With open mind and open heart, we start finding that spiritual path. If, if we have doubt and we ignore it, it'll fester and make us anxious. If we act on it negatively, we'll start figuring out ways to make excuses and blame others for whatever's going on. So we want to act responsibly on our curiosity. And in every moment, we want to ask ourselves, in this moment, am I trying to invest my energy in creating my desires? Or am I trying to prove I'm okay? And when we're staying curious, we're, we're, in, we're in imagination, we're in creativity. When we're, at, when we're explaining, defending, we're just trying to say, hey, I'm okay. Oh, one last thing from last week. I, this was a learning for me. Somebody mentioned it to me after the service. They said, I really like that thing you mentioned about do again. Because we really can't do do-overs. We say, can I have a do-over? And you get to do it again. You know, in, in golf, we have this little mythology we play that it's called mulligan. Oh, I'm taking a mulligan. Which means I'm just going to pretend like whatever happened didn't even happen. Well, it did happen. <laughs> and so we have to actually harvest the benefit of it happening because if we ignore it, we can't learn from it. you got to count those strokes. But we move forward on the path of spiritual growth. And so we get to do over it. If we learn the lesson, the next try may be improved. So do over. And let's move to today. Another question. How often do you contemplate the nature of God? I've been doing it a lot lately. Now, that's probably because I've been preparing from, for today. This message. But really, aren't we all preparing for today all the time? So, I don't know. You know, some of us uh, spend more time uh, in our heads. <laughs> Me. Um, but I think about God a lot. And I, in a minute, I'll get to how that relates to the big three questions. I hope you all remember the big three questions from last time. And if you weren't here, I'm going to tell you again, so it's okay. But the nature of God is a big idea. Uh, it might be the biggest. And as long as we have been human, we've been looking for this. And, and you can see this, you know, if you read, here's a book. <laughs> How about the title? God, 
<laughs> this guy, I don't know, how many of you guys know Reza Aslan? Very interesting. He was on CNN for a while. I think he got, he said something got in a little bit of trouble. But he wrote a book about Jesus called Zealot. It's really interesting, a different perspective on, on Jesus' life and, and, and times and practical Christianity. Okay. In any case, God. Um, in there he talks about like the whole evolution of how long have we been searching for this idea and this description of God. And as I mentioned, that's why I love unity. Each and every one of you has both the privilege and the responsibility to define your own idea of God and your relationship with that idea. And unity is going to give you lots of ideas. The uh, asking others for help. For example, this guy. Has anybody not read this? <laughs> uh, this discover the power within you. If, if anybody ever asks me what unity is all about, I say start here. Start here. It's wonderful. And the, and the intro to the 40th anniversary from Maya Angelou is just incredible. Very, very, very inspiring. So, next question. Did God create man? Or did man create God? And the answer is, yes. Yes. And, and, and here's where I want to introduce another curiosity idea. Move away from if questions and into how questions. So not if man created God, but how man created God. That opens up the purview of the curiosity. Um, how did God create man? Well, depending on how curious you are, this is either a very easy answer. Bible says it. I read it. That's it. Or it's probably the hardest question you could ever answer. Because who can understand it? It's the first big question. How did we get here? So let's just assume for now that somehow something way bigger than us made all this happen. And we'll just say God created us. I think when we look at the Bible, here's why I want to make a second point about, which is very well known in unity, so I know I'm preaching to the choir, hopefully not throwing behind the receiver, that's from last time too, you know, the quarterback wants to lead the receiver, not throw behind. If you're ahead of me, consider it rework. This guy, Marcus J. Borg, he's a professor at the Oregon State University. Even here it says, taking the Bible seriously, but not literally. What we know is there's a richness and a deepness in, in sacred texts, the Bible being one of them. Marcus says, when you get past the need to take it literally, for it to be literally true, you can start to appreciate how profoundly true it is. And then we can find the meaning in it. So, when I think of God, I think of gravity. I think God is like gravity. Let me explain. <laughs> so, I heard a scientist talking on TV. I don't think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson, but somebody like that. And he said, you know what? We really don't even understand what gravity is. I said, really? I thought that it was like proven science. He says, well, 
we observe gravity and we see its effects. And, and we've even created laws around what we see such that we can, we know the apple will fall eventually. And when it does fall, we can tell how fast it will fall and we can predict its behavior. But we actually don't understand how it all is. And we've even created a language, mathematics, that helps us describe how we understand that behavior so that we can easily talk with each other and share about gravity. Newton, laws of motion. Well, God's the same way to me. I, don't, I can't wrap my mind around the thing that is bigger than the universe that somehow created me and you and us and is in us and in all things, I mean, just my mind starts to get achy. That's why I have to switch to my heart and just go with it. But we do see the effects of God all over the place. And so that's how we understand God. We see it in the love of another person. We see it in the eyes of the baby. We, we see it in, in the blessing of the morning sun. We see the effects. And we can predict them. And in and, and, and unity and metaphysical uh, studies, which some people love and other people are like, yeah, it kind of bends my mind too much. <laughs> but in that metaphysics, we, we find that God is principle. Not the one that called you to his office and told you to stop you know, throwing spitballs. But this principle that is it's beyond humans. And there's law. And that is the way manifestations of God happen. And we even create language to describe how we understand God. We might just call that language religion. And it's like the Tower of Babel or Babel or Babel. One of those three words is how you say that. How many languages do we have? <laughs> I think there's 800 or more just Christian Protestant Christian denominations in the United States. I think how many religions are there in the whole world? So there's one God, but there's all these different languages to explain what God is. And we're going to talk more about that part next week. So some believe they don't know this God is principle crazy idea. They, they believe in the interventionist God. A God who can act above the laws of the universe and interfere in the course of human events at will. Things like parting the Red Sea, flooding the earth. Um, I do not believe in an interventionist God. I think this is magical thinking. Magic is an illusion that appears real because we do not really understand what lies beneath the appearance. In the case of the magician with the rabbit in the hat, we don't understand the secrets they have that make it all happen. Um, and sometimes the illusion is quite epic. Has anybody seen these shows where they make things like the Statue of Liberty disappear? Yeah. Uh, how's that happen? I don't think it actually goes anywhere, but it sure seems so. So, you know, in our curious search for truth, we're always coming across these things that seem true, but maybe aren't. We need to dig deeper. We're typically uncomfortable 
as humans when we don't understand things. Imagine how it was. I mean, we have so much information now, but imagine back in the day when, when all you could do is the sun comes up, the sun goes down, the storm comes. I don't know the storm's coming. So, you know, the early man, just for a survival thing, to get their anxieties calm, they just needed to create something, so they created God. Eventually, that became a God. But for other people, you know, one person's truth is another person's magical thinking. So, some people think God is sort of like Santa Claus, but in a different outfit. A white gown as opposed to the red uh, sooty look. Um, and other people think that, that God plays favorites. So this is, this is I love this, because when I was a high school football player, the last thing we did before we took the field was we got in a circle on our knees and we prayed. And the coach would pray for, of course, health and safety and and, of course, courage to be our best and all those things. But that was just build up and fluff to get to the true deliverable victory. Because we knew that we needed God on our side so that we could vanquish those unholy heathens in the locker room next door who were having the same exact prayer at the same exact time. And I'm here to tell you, God loves the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I don't. I wish I believed in an interventionist God. I hope He doesn't like the Chiefs. All right. Uh. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it really was unfair of us to ask God to step away from the troubles in Jerusalem, where He's trying to arbitrate between the favored child battle between the Muslims, the, the Hebrews, and the Christians to come take care of our Friday night lights. But, you know, we all live in our own priority system. God can't intervene because He's already on the scene. God is here, always present, in all things at all times. So the whole idea that God could be showing up here or is not showing up there is, is not the magical thinking that we have in unity. <laughs> but before we get too um, dismissive of the whole Santa Claus idea of God, let's get a little curious. I mean, if you're science-minded, and, and you may be if you're into the metaphysics especially of, of unity, you might think, well, that Santa Claus example Bruce gave is absolutely crazy. But have you ever stopped to think a little bit about the Big Bang Theory? which is really gravity in reverse. We just, you know, they say, well, here's how gravity is happening, and if we just take gravity and we move back in time, we're eventually going to get to a spot where those billions and billions of galaxies that I talked about fit into something smaller than a coffee cup. That's a lot of stuff in a very small space. That sounds a little whacked out. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I believe that. Hook, line, and sinker. That Big Bang thing is, it's proven science. I'm like, it sounds a little crazy. So I think the answer is, we don't know. But we have free will. We get to choose what we believe. And then, 
we have confidence in our belief. And that is our faith. And where we don't have faith, uh, we're not so sure about our belief. And of course, then the way we practice and, and explore and fortify those, that faith is, is by being here. That's one of the things we do that's part of our practices, which is our religion. And everybody's got their own religion. I think there are, how many people? Seven trillion? No, billion? There's a lot of people on earth. That's how many religions I think there are. Because each person has their own relationship with God. Now, we do have some, you know, there's this intersection set of common agreement. So, we're all here kind of thinking we're having the same religion. But, talk more about this next week. Every one of you is having your own individual religion, is my suggestion. That is both terrifying and fascinating. Next week. So back to the three questions. How do we get here? What are we doing here? And where do we go from here? You can say it many different ways, but it's basically past, present, future. And as I said last time, the only thing that really matters is what are we doing here, right now, in this moment. And whatever we do in terms of our explorations about the nature of God, that's about the past or the future, to the extent that it informs and affects and influences the way we are acting right now, that's the only relevance it has. So, for example, if I do believe in the Santa Claus God, I know that he's checking the list twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and who's nice, and that's who gets to go to heaven. And you know what? A lot of people believe that. And I can't tell them it's wrong. It's different than what I believe. It doesn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to them. And I think it's so important to honor that. Because we all get that privilege. But I believe in heaven. And I believe, well, how I hear Jesus talking about it in practical terms is, the kingdom of heaven is within. It's like the song, inside I find peace. Inside I find peace. The other things it says. It's there. So, really, you know, so much of it is about being able to move to the metaphysical, beyond the physical, into consciousness. So many of the things that we talk about here in Unity are all really about in consciousness, which is where things are, uh, possibilities are endless and infinite. And then we have to translate that, that consciousness to the practical reality of moving and living in this world which is why we're going to talk about the people who annoy you later. Because that's your real experience, and, and how you move with that can have a dramatic impact on your spiritual life. If I could just tell you about the number of hours that I have spent all worked up about how I couldn't get somebody to do what I wanted them to do, or they didn't treat me the right way, just lost in error thinking, not realizing that the power is within me to just be an expression of God, which, to me, the definition of God I like best is in the book of John, the Gospel of John, which is three words. God is love. Which is really one word. Love. Wow, what a word. One word. That whole thing, one word, love. You come back to love. 
So I think it's fair to talk a little bit about what happens when you die or when your mortal life ends. First thing I want to say is that nobody knows. Anybody who told you they know, they don't know. And I know there's all kinds. I, read, I did a bunch of research on NDEs, near-death experiences. There's all sorts of possibilities for why those things are what they are. But the bottom line is, here's some possibilities. Maybe nothing happens. Maybe the lights just fade to black. Maybe the opposite happens. And instead of fading to black, you expand into the light of all consciousness in a magnificent way that you don't even care that you lose yourself in it because you lose your identity, you lose your ego. Or maybe there's something in between where, because a lot of folks I talk to say, well, heaven is, it's sort of like this, only it's a little bit better. You know, I'm going to see all my old friends again and I'm gonna, it's going to be warmer. Like I, you know, one, one time I was with a boat, a, a, women and, a woman in Puerto Vallarta and Everybody was happy. We're having this great time, and she didn't look that happy. And she said, I wish I was in Cancun. And I said, okay. And she said, yeah. I said, well, what's, what, why is Cancun? Because it's just like Minneapolis, but it's warmer. You know? And so, you know, maybe that's the anticipation of, of, of heaven that, that keeps people going. I don't know. But I think... The answer is to ask God. Does prayer work? Okay, so remember, how are we going to do this? How does prayer work? It works. It works because I believe it works. And, and prayer is how we inquire of God and we listen. Prayer is not magical. But that doesn't mean it's not miraculous. You know, I, I think just closing this up, that I think the Bible kind of, if we take the Bible literally, we can get a little bit discouraged about miracles. Because they all look so epic, like the Statue of Liberty disappearing and you know, walking on water and all that. But, but really, I think a kind word to a person in need is a miracle of love. Those simple acts of love expressing through you, God expressing through you, that's a miracle. Every day that we get to have the blessing of this life, that's a miracle. Talk more later about, about miracles and things uh, next week. But uh, how should we pray then? And I think the best answer is in your own heart. Just listen to your heart, open your heart, and ask God. So let's move toward the homework. As we're praying, I'm suggesting gratitude is a good place to start. You know, so say, say thank you to God by affirming the blessings in your life. Start with yourself. You know, put the mask, oxygen mask on you first. Um, and then expand your mind to include the blessings of all the people around you. know, I love people. I don't always want to be with people. <laughs> but, you know, being with people is a lot better than not. 
Remember that movie with Tom Hanks where he's plane crashes? It's Robin Caruso in a modern version. I think it's called Castaway. Is that correct? Boy, how much would he have liked to have somebody annoying him? So, you know, get curious about finding. So here, here's what I want to work on this week. You know, in Philippians 4.8, um, Paul's talking to the Philippians and he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So then, do we have the spiritual practice? Oh, there it is. Yeah, so God is all good and active and everywhere, everything, except for my neighbor, Sam. So this is where last week we practiced just getting intentional about our interactions and getting a little more, trying not to overreact when people challenge us, trying to stay curious. But now we want to go deeper and find the blessing in the person that just cut you off at the traffic light or turned in front of you or maybe something that's more personal to your experience. So, is it clear? You know, I think just want you to feel the power of being kind to yourself and to others. I don't know how many times someone just saying something in a nice way to me made a difference. Now, I know I should be so strong on my face I don't need that. I don't care. That's why we're a team. That's why we reach out and ask for help and allow it. So this is the practice. So in summary... Nature of God is this. There is one power active in the universe or present in the universe and active in my life. God, the good, omnipotent. So it is.